CEE Central Europe Explained An IDM podcast series powered by Erste Group Episode 40 Where the river flows, science follows The Danube Tack Valley Initiative Central Europe's next innovative driver Countries of the Danube region find common ground with their shared cultures and histories but also their variety of traditional industries. During the past decades, innovative technologies have flooded the region, although Western countries remain the prominent leader in innovation. Yet, a new driver is awaiting, and it seems that Central Europe and the Danube region only need the right resources. The Danube Tack Valley Initiative aims to actively use the region's innovative wealth to create a vibrant hub of industries and technology. Supported by the global think tank Globsec, the DTVI sets the goal of building an innovative ecosystem in the Central European region. Which concrete opportunity does the Danube Tech Valley Initiative represent for CEE? Which obstacle lies ahead, especially regarding the potential regional and EU-level dichotomies? I am Sebastian Schäfer, Managing Director at IDM, and I ask these questions to Wilhelm Molterer, Chairman of the Globsec Board of Directors, as well as former Vice-Chancellor and Finance Minister of Austria. Hello, Wilhelm, and thank you for joining us today. Pleasure to be here. Could you give us a brief overview of what the Danube Tech Valley Initiative is actually about? One might immediately associate it with the Californian Silicon Valley. Is this intended? Well, I would say it's not totally wrong and intended. No, the starting point was quite simple. We started to discuss the issue of recovery for Central Europe. And there is a specific need if you take the economic structure, if you take the, the let's say, the lacks of investment. But what is key, innovation will be the driver for competitiveness and competitiveness is the precondition for a sound recovery. That's the one thing. And the second thing was, we were absolutely, I would say, unhappy realizing that the recovery plans are just nationally oriented. But economy is based on a regional concept of an ecosystem. And this is the reason why we finally created this Danube Tech Valley Initiative. Um, and I think the last couple of months and also the terrible war against Ukraine showed us brutally we are on the right track which means to take also the Black Sea into account, to take this Caspian Sea perspective into account, to take Western Balkan into account. This is the reason why we have launched it. And I think it will be a story of success, finally. You mentioned the Danube Tech Valley aims to build an innovative ecosystem in CEE. Concretely, how could this ecosystem work? And is it seeking better synergies between the countries and companies? And which one, if yes? I tell you a story that showcases how serious the need is. I have a good uh, friend, he is in Sweden and he is in investment banking. And I asked him, why haven't you been there in this region, in this very region? And he said, I would be interested, but I don't know about the region. So many things are going on, but they do not have the critical mass which is needed. That means what we try to do is to build up this regional ecosystem 
if it comes for the capital market, to have, let's say, a private, a private equity fund that's working for the region and not for a country. One idea. Second idea, let's put all the innovation hubs there existing alongside the River Danube. Go to Belgrade, go, go to Budapest, Vienna for sure, to Linz. That's a very vibrant innovation environment, but they are not linked. It means to have also, let's say, this critical mass making it visible. It's key. And the third idea is to have a network of universities, of research centers, the labs there working alongside the river. That's the starting point. The river that goes is driven finally by economic needs and not by political wishes. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the different hubs, and um, especially when we compare, for instance, Belgrade to Vienna. I mean, both cities are very nice, but there's definitely a difference in the potential and possibility to innovate and um, how can you make the whole region attractive and prevent that the Danube Tech Valley boosts only the more prosperous areas and not the more developing? Well, I think first of all you need to go for the economic needs. That's key. And if you look into the strategies of various big European companies, they are invested already in this region. But what they need is I would say a regional strategy to lift the whole potential. If it comes, for instance, to the supply chain, that's a totally new challenge for a lot of companies. And to be honest, supply chain is not just China. There is something in between. And this Danube Valley is in between and can offer a lot. Think about the skills. This is one of the biggest problems for the European economy in the long term. That's demography, that's fighting economic success. That means we need to have all potentials educated and well-trained. There is a huge potential, for instance, in technical skills, in IT skills in this region. If we put them together, if we train them, then we can offer something for the region, but potentially beyond for Europe as a whole. <laughs> When we think about um, the comparison with the Silicon Valley, which is the notion of innovation and uh, being free in uh, when it comes to regulation, which is quite the contrary to how especially the European Union is perceived, but also, of course, the countries beyond the European Union. And how, how can such a project work without a regulatory framework, not to excessively over-regulate it? We are witnessing disparities between the different levels, EU, national, regional, is there a possibility to push for regulation that targets only this part of Europe and not all EU members in order to prevent this over-regulation? Well, I would say there is a new word that should be invented. I call it co-petition. That means we need the competition, we need the strong economic, let's say, drive. But on the other hand, we need also cooperation. Because we cannot make just a copy-paste strategy here that's based in California. California is California, here is Central Europe. And there are issues that are relevant also for innovation. Think about, for instance, the issue of cybersecurity that needs fundamental innovation to make it working. If you think about climate change, that needs innovation, fundamental innovation to get it up and running. But also if you think about the long-term perspective in the social dimension, social housing, care, health, that needs innovation. That means for me, 
it's much broader. That's not an economic concept. That's not a technical concept just. It's a societal concept. And this is also very European. That's the one thing. And the other thing is, if you look into the landscape in Europe, into the map, you see there are centers already existing. That's Paris, that's Amsterdam, that's Germany. And here is also something unique that we can develop. And this is, I would say, this is in competition to others, but it's adding also real interesting new, I would say, uh, yeah, innovation, let's name it like that. The reason is quite simple. This region has specific needs and therefore needs specific answers. This could be, for instance, quite an interesting role model also for the issue of, of EU neighborhood policy. Because these are countries in the Stanyok region, they are quite young in the European Union. They do have still the memory what means accession, what means preparation for being member. This could be also some, let's say, role models for the Western Balkans. This could be a role model also for Georgia, for Ukraine, uh, for Moldova. And I think this, for me, it's a broader concept than, let's say, this innovation hubs just. It's, it's an economic, but it's also a societal concept. You mentioned there's also the need to upgrade the educational system, especially also connecting the higher education institutions in the region. And uh, we need money to finance this. Mm -hmm. And uh, how feasible is it to support each country equally? Because once again, I see a challenge arising that we already see, for instance, in other networks regarding higher education, that there's always this gap between the money that is financing researchers, for instance, in, in Serbia, and the money that is financing researchers in Austria. That's already an ongoing struggle on a European level. Is there anything that, that would contribute through this initiative? Yes, I think, I think there is something in. I would say, potentially, it has to be really, I would say, it has to be brought alive. You have some elements here in this region, they are really key. You do have, for instance, the vocational training and vocational education, at least in part of this region. Vocational training means more or less to combine the public contribution to education plus the private one, means also the needs from the enterprises. This is a fundamental jewel. Why not to expand this idea of vocational training, for instance, towards the higher, the higher end of education, towards universities? Second thing is, for instance, lifelong learning. I'm pretty much uh, sure that if digitizing the economy and the society will work, and it has to work, this means we do have, on the one hand, the need for reskilling people, but we do have also the need for training them for totally new challenges and new jobs. Second idea. A third idea is, and here one can also take credit from the experience in the States or also in some parts of Europe, private money in higher education is still sometimes a four-letter word. That's a pity because this drives innovation and also to open these, let's say, universities or public institutions towards private engagement in a classical PPP structure, this would be really a, a driver. 
And last but not least, there are elements where you need a strong cooperation with public money. If you think on quantum computing, for instance, it's obvious that no one can do it by himself or by herself. It needs cooperation. These are elements where I think we can contribute. Thank you. The initiative recently has been launched during the Globsec Bratislava Forum in June. And uh, of course, now I would be very much interested, what are the next steps to achieve at least some of the things that, that we have discussed today? Well, first of all, we try to make something happen around this capital market initiative on a regional basis. And the reason is quite simple. We have in the meantime in this region quite an advanced venture capital environment created over the last five to seven years. But what's lacking is the financing of the next step, means the growth phase. If we offer something together with public guarantees, promotional banks like EIB and private money, this could be a type of regional private equity fund that's really helping to close this gap. Second, we are, we are working on a, I would say, virtual landscape, innovation landscape, to make, for instance, all unicorns visible. You, you can't imagine how many unicorns in this region are existing, but nobody knows. I certainly no, don't. Nobody knows. And if you go, for instance, to, a, to an investor in the US, he wants to know so means to create this radar screen or this screen, for instance, to make this visible. A third idea, what we are currently discussing, very practical. This terrible war led to some quite interesting, let's say, developments. One of them is a lot of people, young people with IT background are leaving this region. Where are they going? For whom are they working? Are they working for European companies? It's not a given. To offer this type of pooling for the specialists could help to close the gap between the needs of the business and, let's say, this, uh, this wave of people coming into, into, this, into this region. These are concrete elements. For next year, we are planning, potentially here in Vienna, the Tech Danube Valley Summit to make also, let's say, a bigger public statement into this. We have the support from currently the Slovak and the Austrian government. I think others will follow by definition. I hear a lot of interest from countries where they might not totally fit into the Danube concept because this, the interest is a bit, a bit broader. I got, for instance, requests from Poland. Poland is definitely not in the River Danube basin, but why not? It's a target country of the IDM, <laughs> so... <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> Makes why, sense. Not? why not? Yeah. Well, thank you so much really for this conversation. It has been very interesting and I think a wonderful final episode for the second season of Central Europe Explained. At the end of every episode, we always ask our guests for a piece of art, literature or music that is connected to the topic that we have discussed and of course also in this episode we would like to know something in this regard a recommendation from you well the, the obvious would be the danube walls but it's not there is a, a cd the four big bees bach beethoven brahms and Bartok. 
and it's performed by the Janoschka, by the Janoschka Ensemble. A wonderful, a wonderful, let's say, group of musicians. You have a combination of, of really classical music, you have the combination of, I would say, it's not folk, but you know, this very traditional music out of this region. And they are performing in a way you can't imagine. Janoschka Ensemble, the four big bees. Wonderful. That is a fantastic recommendation for the end of the season. Thank you very, very much again for taking the time and discussing the Danube Tech Valley Initiative with us today. This concludes not only this episode, but also this season of Central Europe Explained. And we are very much looking forward to continue the discussion. Thank you very much, Wilhelm Molterer. Thank you. So you enjoyed this podcast? Then tune into another CEE episode and subscribe to the IDM podcast series on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Acast, or elsewhere you get your podcast. And also have a look at the rest of our work on our website www.idm.at for any feedback or podcast collaboration feel free to contact me at e.honchaberry at idm.at. The email is in the description below. This was CEE, Central Europe Explained, a podcast series produced by the Institute for the Danube Region and Central Europe, powered by Group, with the ongoing participation of Daniela Paiden, Malvin Atalik, Daniel Martinek, and Sebastian Schaeffer. Production and editing, Emma Hunterberry. Proofreading, Jack Gill. IDM Podcast. Institut für den Donauraum und Mitteleuropa. Institute for the Danube Region and Central Europe. European Perspectives. Regional Actions. Cooperation and Expertise since 1953.